0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm uh, so glad to be with you today. I wish I could be there in person. I wish we could all be together in person, but it's a delight, and thank you, Mother Susan, for the invitation, um, and for Brendan, for the invitation to join you uh, for this important Sunday in the life of All Saints. So back when we could still travel, back in the before times, I was in Jerusalem um, a few years ago, and one of the places we visited uh, has a section of old Roman wall of Jerusalem. Um, For a while it was believed it was from the time of Jesus, maybe it's a little later than that, and there is a gate, and next to it is a small gate, and I heard a, a tour guide explaining to tourists, oh... This little gate is the eye of the needle, and that's what Jesus was talking about when he said it's easier for a rich person to get into heaven than for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle, because see, a camel can't go through there. And I said to our tour group's guide, is that, that seems kind of funny, is that real? And he said, well, I, I suppose if you want to rationalize it, maybe, but really, Jesus is telling a story that's meant to be funny and provocative and to make a point. And I think we often uh, try to read the Bible and we want to fit it into our worldview and we want to domesticate it and we want to make sense of it and we want to rationalize it like people who want the story about the camel and the eye of the needle to be about a gate and not about the difficulty of us finding eternal life if we have a lot of stuff. I thought of all that as I was thinking about this parable That we have this week, the parable of the talents, which I think is fraught with the possibility of difficult readings, starting with the name of it, the parable of the talents. I sometimes joke that I'd like to make my own translation of the Bible and fix a few things. And if I did that, I would rename this and it wouldn't be called the parable of the talents, it would be called the thought experiment about giant bags of cash. Because you see, the first way we sometimes read this story wrong is because that English word talent, which is a unit of measurement, and it's not all that interesting. It's just a bazillion, think of it as a bazillion dollars, or just a a ridiculous, laughably large amount of money, years worth of income. That, That gets translated in the English word talent, and so sometimes we spiritualize this parable, and we think it's a story about how, if God made me to be a good trumpet player... I should play the trumpet really well and practice a lot. But I don't think that's quite what the story is about. And then on the other hand, there are interpretations of this story that take it to the other extreme and make it a story that's just about money. And in this line of uh, telling, the, this story is said to justify um, questionable investment practices, whatever you have to do to double your money, Um, And even back back in the day, um, charging interest and earning interest was against the law, the religious law. And so, oh, look, here's a story that says it's okay to earn interest. So, oh, good. now Now I'm in the clear. And I don't really think that's the point of this story either. If we want to understand what this parable of the talents is saying to us, I think we have to pay attention to what we've been hearing from Matthew's gospel and what's coming up. Just as we're approaching Advent, in these later chapters of the gospel of Matthew, the drum starts to beat. Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. And we have to read this parable in light of what it's teaching us about Jesus' return. And What I love about the parables is they're deliciously ambiguous. There are different ways to read them. I think one really compelling way to read this parable is that the gift that the master uh, is perhaps Jesus, and the slave is perhaps us, and the gift that we've been given is the gospel, this new way of living, this 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 revolutionary new way of following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what's going on here. And what Jesus is saying is, you, you people have been given this gift. Um, do something with it. Share the gospel. Spread the good news. Let it transform your life. Let it transform the world around you. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't bury it. Don't try to squander it away. And sometimes I think this is a message that we Episcopalians really need to hear. We um, have a tendency to, you know, the Episcopal Church welcomes you. we'll, um, We'll stay inside our church doors and be nice to people who show up, or these days we'll stay in our Zoom room and we'll be kind to visitors. And perhaps a reading of this parable would challenge us to say, well, you have this beautiful church community. You have All Saints. What a gift it is. Don't keep it to yourselves. Double it. Go out. Spread the good news. Invite people to know Jesus. I think that's a possible meaning. But but I think it's also, it is in some ways, a story about money and gifts and, and things that God has given for us. And that could well be all the blessings of this life. So God has given me and you gifts and passions and skills and abilities and knowledge. And I think we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with those things? And perhaps this story is reminding us that they're not ours. Whatever gifts and talents and abilities I have, all the stuff that I have, the money, the everything I have, it's not just mine, that it's in some ways on the loan from God and I need to to use it to build it up. And in our culture today, money is one of the best signs of the gifts that God has given us. Just as it was in Jesus' time, we all love to hang on to our money. And if we have more of it, that's better, right? There's all those wonderful stories in the Bible about if you get some stuff and you get more stuff, instead of giving it away, build silos. Wrong answer. If you get more stuff, give it away. Um, Give your money to people who need it. And I think that is certainly true for us as well. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we want our hearts, this this gift of God's love that's implanted in our hearts, if we want our hearts to be filled with more of God's love, to be with the church, to be with the poor, to be with the last, the lost, and the least of the world, we can lead our hearts there with our treasure. And so... We have to decide what we're going to do with our stuff. Do we we hang on to it? Do we build bigger silos? Do we try to imagine we're going to ride our camel into everlasting life? Or do we give away what we have? Or to put it another way, where do I want my heart to be? Do I want my heart to be in a 401k plan in the bank? A lot of my heart is at the Apple store. Do I really want my heart to be there? Do I want my heart to be with my siblings in Christ at church? Do I want my heart to be with the poor? I have some choices to make about what I do with what God has given me. And I think this provocative story that Jesus tells is meant to unsettle us. We could talk all day about all the unsettling things that are in this story, and I'm leaving all sorts of them out. You should talk to one of your fine clergy about them later on. Ask them hard questions. But for today, I think we're meant to be left with some unsettling questions. What has God given us, and what are we to do with it? How can we amplify and magnify the gifts that God has given us? How do we want to find Jesus? How do we want Jesus to find us when he returns in glory? These are the questions I think we're meant to be left with today. So I invite you on this day to to think about um, how tempting it is It's uh, just as it was 2,000 years ago, how tempting it is to safely tuck away what we have and just bury it, whatever that is. I don't particularly want to share my faith. That sounds scary. I'll just put it aside. It's scary to think about giving away some of what I have. I'll just keep it right here. It's scary to think about using whatever abilities and Passions and skills God has given me for the glory of God and putting myself out there, that's scary. I'll just keep them to myself. But maybe Jesus in his teaching is inviting us to not do that, to live boldly and dangerously and recklessly, because that's exactly what's going on with the guys or people, I guess I said guys, with the people who got their five talents and their two talents. The prudent thing to do would have been to get that good rate of return on investments, a nice bond fund, but they didn't do that. They lived boldly and foolishly and recklessly to the glory of God, and I think that's perhaps what we're being invited to do today as well. So on this Consecration Sunday, I'll leave you to ponder in your heart what that means for you. But I do challenge us all not to bury what we have, but to boldly and recklessly and adventurously magnify all the gifts that God has given us, not least with the money and that God has entrusted to us. Amen.